All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Behind the Birds podcast. At the time of recording, it is Thursday, November 5th. Um, just just days removed from the Philadelphia Eagles-Dallas Cowboys game. The score, the final score was 23-9 to in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. With me today is Nader, Eagles.world. What's going on, fellas? And another very special guest. He's a special guest, you know, regularly on this podcast. Jay, Eagles underscore Empire. How you doing, Jay? What's goody? So let's let's get right into it. Max isn't with us this week. Uh, he'll be back next week. But let's get right into it. Um, the Eagles struggled throughout the most most of the game. Carson Wentz struggled throughout most of the game. Uh, only threw only threw for a hundred something passing yards against the worst defense in football, and historically on pace to be the worst defense in the history of the NFL. And it looked really bad, especially in the first quarter of the first half. But you know we pulled through. Uh, against Ben DiNucci, and uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Yeah, Nader. So, I mean, it's a couple of days removed from the game. We're sort of checked out of it a little bit, but 100%, I think everybody's sort of deflated, disappointed. Just not really – we're just – there's no faith in this team. I, 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 Carson put up a real dud to the point where I think everybody would have been okay if he gotten yanked. I think the only reason he didn't get yanked is because Jalen Hurts was the backup, and that invites a real quarterback controversy really heading into the bye week to the point where it's difficult to get Carson back into the quarterback position. You lose his leadership, his confidence goes down, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I really think it's, it's, it wouldn't have been surprising if they pulled him. He probably deserved to be pulled. Four turnovers, including one really bad fumble and one really bad interception. Um, you can count the Hightower interception as sort of just I would say a bad throw, probably got lost in the wind, probably Hightower couldn't track it very well. But throwing it to double coverage into the end zone was terrible. The fumble where he was scrambling out to his left and sort of just fell was terrible. Um, The blitz where he had Ward wide open in front of him was pretty bad, but you give him a little bit of a pass, it came very quickly, not a lot of protection, whatever. But ultimately, four turnovers, missing receivers, not a very good game. You don't feel good about Carson Wentz. You feel probably even worse about Doug Peterson, who really has not put anything impressive together since the Super Bowl year, since he lost his assistance. He has not put anything on the field that I've been impressed by. They had some good stretches here and there, some good games, but they've won one playoff game since the Super Bowl, and that was the double doink, a game they should have lost if Cody Parkey can make a normal field goal. right? And they probably lose 9 out of 10 times. So I, there's not a lot to be optimistic about. Howie Roseman's signings seem to not be really working out very well. He gave Alshon Jeffrey a ton of money. He hasn't seen the field. He fell ass backwards into Travis Fulgham, who has been literally their best receiver maybe in the last three years. Um, his draft picks are okay. Rager has been fine, but he passes on Justin Jefferson, who's been one of the best receivers in the league. Doesn't, is not nearly aggressive enough to go up and get CeeDee Lamb, who has been really strong this season. Um, you know, I, I, I just – I don't feel good about this team. And it comes at a point where the Sixers right across the street are hiring one of the best executives in the NBA and one of the best coaches in NBA history. And you're sort of thinking, we're out here stuck with Harry Roseman who's been here for two decades. Nobody really has any confidence in him. And Doug Peterson, who, who it's clear that the, own, the, the team doesn't even have confidence in him. They don't let him pick his own coaches. They don't let him pick his own players. 
Nothing. He has no control over this team besides play calling. And that's why he grips so strongly to play calling. They literally hired Jim Schwartz for him. He was here. He was in the press conference before Doug got there. It was Jim Schwartz. They give this guy no power. He won a Super Bowl. So, I don't know. I just – I don't feel great. And, and maybe they sneak into the playoffs and who knows what can happen. But it's really – it's not a very uh, exciting place to be as an Eagles fan. Yeah, it's probably one of the worst wins I've ever seen in my time watching this football team. Carson Wentz looks like a terrible quarterback. He's more comparable to Dwayne Haskins and Mitchell Trubisky right now than anyone we've seen right now. He's played the worst football in his career. No matter how you spin it, four turnovers is four turnovers. I don't care if one got lost in the wind. I don't care if he got blitzed. This is his fifth year. He can't be playing like this. They should have pulled him. I think if it's any other quarterback in the league, they pull him. But there's so much controversy with Carson Wentz and backup quarterbacks and, you know, his mental stability as a quarterback. You know, some people think he could be the, the, mental, the worst quarterback when it comes to mental ability. So if they pulled him, is that it? Because he just lose it all. And that he can't come back from that. I think that might be one of the reasons Doug Peterson didn't pull him. But Peterson saying I, he didn't even think about it, that has to be a lie. Because if you didn't think about it, at that point in time, you're never going to think about it. And for Doug, you know, if you take away the Super Bowl, they're 29-29-1 and one under Doug Peterson. You know, they're pretty a- – they're average at best. And like Nader said, they, they pick his staff, you know. The only two people on his staff he picked really were Mike Grow and Carson Walsh, and they're gone. And he didn't even get to fire them. Jeffrey Lurie fired them behind his back. He also did that to Greg Lewis after 2016. And then, you know, you again, Ken Flagel also was hired the day before Doug Peterson was hired. They picked most – well, Jim Schwartz probably picked him, but they picked guys before he was even here. So how much power does he really have? He just has play calling, like Nader said. He probably is going to only hang on to that. That's probably why he doesn't want to get rid of it. But And he stands on the press conference week after week, and he gives these answers, and you're just wondering, what are you saying? How are you actually expecting us to believe this when they – when they put out Jason Peters again back at left tackle, I understand that this ha- it happened this week because Lane Johnson and Jack Driscoll were hurt. But what happens when Lane's back? Are you not going to play Jordan Mailata? Are you going to really play Jason Peters at left tackle at 38 years old? That's unbelievable. And you know if Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey were healthy, they'd probably be playing over Fulgham and Rager. It's a joke. And – you know, what do you go from here? It's hard to be confident in this team. I don't think they're better than any of the teams in the NFC East. They might lose to, to New York coming off the bye week because it seems like they gave this team 10 days to play Dallas, and they didn't play well. You had 10 days against Ben DiNucci and the worst defense in the league. He scored 15 points. The defense played well. You know, the front, the front seven got consistent pressure, and the secondary did all right. But you score 15 points against that Cowboys defense, what are they doing during the week? I think, you know, it's hard to even be confident in Doug Peterson anymore because there's nothing to show for it, you know? So they might lose to New York, and I, I don't think they match up well versus Washington at all, even with Kyle Allen. So what is there going to do? I think, you know, with Carson Wentz, they're gonna they're stuck with him for 2021. You're not gonna you're not gonna move on from him because you can't. But he has to play better. And what what's the excuse now? Every time he plays bad, there's an excuse. It seemingly if if nothing's perfect, it's not Carson's fault. If the O line's a little banged up, it's not Carson's fault that he took a sack and fumbled. 
oh, there's different receivers. It's not his fault. He threw a ball right to Trayvon Diggs in double coverage. So, you know, there's no accountability for anybody. The, the players on the roster are not very good. If you look at some of the free agent signings, Will Parks has only played in two games. Nikel Roby Coleman is awful. Darius Slay's played well. But Javon Hargrave is still coming back from his injury, and he really hasn't made a big impact. So, and you're looking at some of these other free agents that they could have got, like Robbie Anderson, and he's top three in the league in receiving yards. What is there to do? You know, and Davion Taylor, not playing. Kayvon Wallace, not playing. There's, Hargrave has sucked, yeah, by the way. Just jump it. Go ahead. He had his best game, but he's – But it's week, it's, it's week eight. Yeah. <laughs> he's a top ten paid defensive tackle. And it's week eight. Malik Jackson's also a top paid defensive tackle, and he, he plays well, but he's 30, and you're not going to have him next year because you can't pay everybody. This roster is terrible because they're, the blo- they're blowing it up no matter what. And I don't trust Howie Rosen to add young talent, and I don't trust Doug Peterson or his staff to develop them. Not a shot. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, Doug Peterson's play calling is extremely stale at this point. I don't know how you have an offense against this Dallas defense again, playing against Ben DiNucci on the other side, and you have a $100 million quarterback. You have Dallas Goddard, who only got one target throughout the entire game. I don't know how that happened but he only got one target throughout the game. You have Travis Fogum, who's led the league in receiving yards since week four, since he was activated from the practice squad. You got Jalen Rager, first-round pick. How Greg Ward, who's been consistent these last two, two seasons, I don't know how this team managed. The, the, the play calling on this team, Doug Peterson, it falls right on Doug Peterson. The play calling is awful, and it's been all year, and it's shown all year. And it's a huge question mark going into this offseason. And if the Eagles make the playoffs, I'm, I'm afraid that none of the changes are going to happen. Jim Schwartz is going to stay. Doug Peterson is going to stay. Howie Roseman is going to stay. All these guys are going to stay. I just hope Jeffrey Lurie can distinguish a good team and a team that somehow got into the playoff just because everyone else was terrible. And I'm thinking about this. You know, historically, Jeffrey Lurie was one of those guys who gave everyone time. Like, he gave Andy Reid 12 years. He gave Ray Rhodes more time than he deserved. But seemingly when Chip Kelly, when he fired Chip Kelly, it seemed like a, a switch kind of flipped in him. Because he fought. some people didn't think Chip deserved to be fired after that season, but we all did. But look at Mike Rowe only got a year or two years as offensive coordinator. Carson Walsh got, I think, a year. So it's not like... He's given many guys like that time. So I think he might pull the trigger, but you have to pull the trigger on everybody. It can't just be Doug, and it can't just be Howie. It has to be everybody. This team needs a complete re, like a whole culture change everywhere. So, and it might be, and it might have to be a quarterback too. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm with you guys, but I, I, I do agree with Jay that, Jeff Lurie has been probably, I'd say a real, I'd say one of the real bright spots, even when when this organization has not been great. Um, You look at the success in the early 2000s, they couldn't quite get over the hump, but they were probably the best team in the NFC between 2000 and 2010. They made it to five NFC championship games, obviously lost the one Super Bowl, uh, a number of now, you know, really pro ball talents, but potential hall of fame talents, the one season with T.O., like, I, I, you know, they really built a good culture in the early 2000s. It's fallen apart since. It looks like Lurie has still hung on to that a little bit, going back to the Peterson tree and sticking with Roseman and sort of, they haven't made a big front office change since Banner left. And that was, I think, what, 12 years ago now, maybe 10 years ago. 
Um, so I, I do trust Jeffrey Lurie more than I trust, you know, some of the owner, other owners of, of, of teams I'm a fan of. Um, and I, I trust his instincts a little bit. And his instincts, from what I can tell, are A, Doug Peterson is not a great coach, right? Jay referenced it earlier. He had to force him to fire Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh. Peterson, we know this from reporting, but also Peterson literally came out and said they're staying. And then next day they were fired. So he doesn't seem to trust Peterson all that much. I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have a ton of affinity for him and he's willing to pull the trigger there earlier than some would realize, right? If they even backdoor their way into the playoffs and the only team outside of their division they beat was a San Francisco team with a backup quarterback and a, a banged up roster, I, you know, I think that's easily grounds to fire Doug Peterson. It doesn't look like they're going to beat anybody else outside of the division just looking at the schedule. Maybe Cleveland, but Cleveland's been good. And other than that, they sort of have a murderer's row schedule here. I'm going to see if I can pull it up for a second so we can go through this really quickly. But there's a chance they finish with one win outside of the division. They have Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Arizona. Arizona, yep. And then you play Washington, New York, and Dallas. Yep. So you got New York after the bye. You have Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, Arizona, Dallas, Washington. So really, the worst team on this schedule is Cleveland. And then and, maybe and Arizona. To be honest with the way that this defense is playing, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it out of Baker Mayfield to go for 400 yards. Uh, I just this de- this defense just doesn't do it for me. So, so and it hasn't in a long throw time. Throw Roby. Just throw Roby Coleman. Right. And so Gary, and you're fine. So so if if the Eagles win out in the division, that's three wins. That's one against every team left. They would end up six, nine, and one. They would make the playoffs without a doubt as the number four seed, host a playoff game against the wild card, who will probably be, who knows, probably lose that game. Pick 19th after winning six games, one game outside of the division, which means one game against a team with maybe a winning record. Right, so let's do the pattern right here. You will probably have won five of your six games, best case scenario, against teams picking in the top 10. I don't think that's grounds to keep anybody on this team, and I think Glory is not an idiot. He will see that. And if he doesn't see that, then Howie Roseman might need to see that and do something drastic because he must feel his seat getting a little warm here. His coach has been bad for the last couple of years. He's been a little bit more involved than most general managers would be in creating the 53-man roster and picking who plays on game day. Uh, he's, been, he's been trading for players that the coaching staff has no idea what, how to use. That goes back to Golden Tate, who they completely fluffed. And then with Jannard Avery, who really hasn't done anything for Jim Schwartz since he's gotten here. Right, so so I mean I don't know. I think there's a good shot that they clean house after this season, and and cleaning house should include Carson Wentz, but will it? I think you know you have to see. You have to see, and I think I think I would be okay with the next coach coming in here, and keeping Carson Wentz if they'd like. But I'd also be fine with them really shipping him out because look, you're really. I think we can definitively say Carson Wentz is not the quarterback we thought he was. He is not the MVP quarterback of 2017. He can play up to that level, and he has this season. He's played, showed some flashes of being that quarterback, and he's had some plays, and you know he's reminded us that he has the ability. But he's still – I mean, this is year five. We're talking about the same errors. We're talking about mental lapses. We're talking about not seeing the field, skipping reads, missing accurate throws. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, we're sort of tired of it. And, and it's clear that this guy is not going to be an elite quarterback. right? To compare him, we always have the Dak versus Carson debates. He's not as consistent as Dak Prescott. Even though I don't think Dak Prescott is that special of a quarterback, he provides them consistency. He makes good throws. You know, he's not having the same problems once he's having in year five. So if, if the Eagles or whoever's running the Eagles at any point say, we're done with Carson Wentz, this is not our guy, I'd be okay with that. For the record, I don't think Jalen Hurts is either. 
maybe they can develop him into that guy. And I think he fits the framework of the modern NFL QB, something like a Kyler Murray is a really good comparison for him, in my opinion. So I would be okay with Jalen Hurts. I, I just think that I just think that this team should tear it down and really start over. And and we can get into this if you know you guys feel free to chime in with other thoughts before we really get in, down this rabbit hole. But you know I don't see a ton of you know I, I I see a good amount of young talent on this roster that they can use as sort of a framework to build for the next couple of years. And, and I'm thinking specifically Dallas Goddard, Travis Fulgham, who I really think is legit, Jalen Rager. Um, Isaac Sayamalu is, is not bad. Mylata might turn into something, right? You sort of go down the list. Fletcher Cox is, is still producing. Um, I would say Malik Jackson has been better than we sort of expected he might be. Barnett is not great, but he, you know, he's something. Josh Sweat is, has been, you know, a bright spot. Um, definitely nobody at linebacker, but maybe, you know, TJ Edwards, Alex Singleton as a depth pieces, uh outside of that Monte Maddox maybe is something but I, I don't think it, the cupboard is totally bare in terms of resources and assets and, and guys that could potentially contribute if you wanted to blow up this team and start with a new nucleus that's completely separate from the one that you had in the Super Bowl year of 17 which were guys like Ertz Brandon Graham uh Wentz obviously you know that offensive line of of Kelsey who's probably going to retire or Johnson Brooks who are all falling apart a little bit. Uh, I think those guys, Malcolm Jenkins, all, you know, that team is gone. That team is gone. There's no reason to chase that team. Let's get some new places, new blood in here. That's another thing with the, uh, the Jalen Hurts thing. I think Doug Peterson's usage of Jalen Hurts has been horrible. I mean, you drafted the guy. We have no idea why. We have no idea what their plan is. But you said coming into the season that you had a plan for him this season. And the plan has been awful. Okay, you've used him like you used him in these packages that don't work and you've been you've been given time to game plan for it and fix it and you haven't fixed it. It's it's just there's no excuse for it. I it's just ridiculous. It's funny because if Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback, Harry Roseman and Doug Peterson won't be around to see it, even though they made that pick. But you know, and to kind of go off this young talent, even their most promising young talent is kind of injury prone right now. Dallas Goddard has said, had some issues uh, from last year. Uh, his hamstring, I believe it was, that kept him out a few weeks. Uh, broke his finger in training camp. Now it's the ankle. He's been banged up. Miles Sanders, he's been banged up uh, with the hamstring issues. And I think, I don't know what it is right now that's keeping him out. It might be his knee. Um, but he's back. So your two top young talents have been injured more times than you'd hope. And, you know, other, other like Josh Sweat, too, like he's not been – he had the knee injuries rookie year, but he has a history of knee injuries. So is he a long-term piece? I think he could be, but the, the board is kind of against him there. But, you know, again, what Donovan said, this, these plays for Jalen Hurts are so boring. It's just running read options. It's nothing creative. There's no RPOs. There's no multiple options. And if you brought in Marty Morningway <laughs> – because of his work with Lamar Jackson, and this is what you came up with, then what, what, what was the point of doing that? It's just the decision-making is mind-boggling. They don't know. It seems they're trying to both be a young team but compete because they told us they wanted to get younger, but they really lied to us because they're still playing these old guys like Jason Peters. You know, why is Kayvon Wallace not playing? Why is Sean Bradley not playing? Why is Jannard Avery not playing? You know, they're playing young wide receivers because they have to because the only healthy ones. But 
it just you lack so much young talent. You lack promising young players who could be elite going forward. Your quarterback is struggling. I wonder if because if, if they fire Howie and Doug, then Jeffrey Lurie and probably Tom Donahoe are the ones leading the search for new guys. Are they telling people that they have to hitch their wagon to Carson Wentz? I don't think so. Why would they? That at the state he's in, I don't think you hit your wagon to him because he can be on the roster next year. He doesn't have to start. There could be a competition or they can give Carson six or eight games. Here's your leash. If you don't play well, you're, we're pulling you because here's the thing, a new coaching staff and a new front office will have absolutely no loyalty to Carson Wentz, but this one has everything riding on him. So change does not favor Carson. For Carson, it change means he's likely on a new team the way he's playing. So, yeah, it's a tough and we schedule can... going forward. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, tough schedule. Tough schedule. If he plays the way he is, how how can you play him still? If he has another one of those games, you can't play him anymore. Yeah, and listen, we could sit here for all day and get on the Eagles and what how bad they've been this season. But you know, with the bye week this week, let's let's talk about some possible positives. Okay. Now the Eagles go into the bye week, week nine, three, four, and one. They are first place in the NFC East, which is saying something. And the schedule looks a bit rough. They pro- they have the they have the hardest schedule out of all the NFC East teams because they did finish first place last season, so they play all the first place teams. Now is there anything that you could take out of this first half of the season and possibly look positive into the, the second half? For me, I think that out of all the NFC East teams, I think that the Eagles, and I don't think, again, I don't think this is going to happen because I think that we're that bad. But I think of all the NFC East teams, I think that we have the best shot, obviously, to maybe win a playoff game or you know make some noise. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, we're going to get healthy towards the second half. We're going to get a little bit healthier. Zach Ertz is going to be coming back. Miles Sanders is going to be coming back. You know, off of the offensive line is going to be coming back. Blaine Johnson is going to be coming back. Um, you know, so I think there's some optimism there. I don't think that much. But what do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, my last points before I drop off this, this episode um, – and, and before I do, thank you all for listening behind the birds podcast. Uh, optimism, I think number one, I, yeah, Donovan hit it. They're getting a little healthier. Um, and the one thing I'd say is that it's really bizarre. These injuries are still happening. I, I really, I, I, I can really only chop it, tr- chalk it up to bad luck. I, I really don't, I, I, I have no idea how this stuff keeps happening. And, and yes, it's definitely, definitely a result of them planning poorly, but you know, guys like Isaac Sayamalu have never really been injured in the past. They're getting injured. They're out for a long time. You know, Deshaun Jackson, of course, he gets injured, but but coming back and getting you know a, a cheap shot that that keeps him puts him back on IR is sort of how does that happen? Um, I don't know. Rager getting injured twice. I, he's not a guy that's used to have injury problems. A thumb injury. It's all been sort of just very weird and bizarre that this stuff keeps happening and stuff that I I don't necessarily know. I want to pin on the medical staff, but something just to monitor. Um, they're definitely getting healthier. That's number one. And, and I think they'll get healthier along the offensive line. Uh, Lane Johnson will have this issue all season. But, you know, Mylotta has been serviceable. Um, 
Sayamala is going to come back will be a big deal because then they're only really down one bad starter, right? Because Mylata looks like serviceable and Peters has been eh. So if they're average at both tackle positions, they're fine at left guard, they're good at center. That line sort of rebounds a little bit. The, the receiving core looks a lot better with Fulgham and Rager in there. Um, even with Deshaun and Jeffrey out, you know, Rager, Fulgham, Ward, Goddard, maybe Ertz at some point. Uh, that's something to deal with. Miles Sanders obviously coming back eventually. That'll be very helpful. Um, on the defensive side, they've stayed fairly healthy, but getting some of those cornerbacks back and playing uh, will be great. Um, so I, I definitely think those are places to be optimistic and excited. And if they do sneak into the playoffs, which it looks like they will, something that could carry them but into winning a game, maybe two games, I don't know. I really doubt it, but anything can happen in the playoffs. And then beyond that, I think there's a good shot that we see a lot of overhaul. Even if Howie Roseman's still here, he's not delusional. He knows he's got to make some big changes. And if his leash is long with, with Jeffrey Lurie, which it has to be to keep him around after this season, I can really see him offloading some of these old guys. You know, Zach Ertz probably gone. Um, let's see who else could potentially be moving. I'd say people are going to the defensive line. Derek Barnett's maybe gone. Definitely one of the three defensive tackles should be out of here. I'm thinking Deshaun, Alshon, definitely both gone. So I, I don't know. I think they have some assets, some things they can move, maybe some picks they can turn into uh, actual performers, actual players. And, and yeah, definitely some places where we can be excited, but not a ton. But I'd say that's, that's you know, what I'm really looking forward to is the growth of some of these young receivers and, and Goddard, uh, Fulgham especially, who, who's really turned into a, a rare gem on, on this offense. Yeah, what I think a positive going forward probably the young receivers playing like Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager. I think those are the important steps going forward. You have to play some of these young guys. You'll host a playoff game most likely, so that's pretty positive. The season's almost over. We're halfway through this mess, which is a positive. There's some good coaching candidates out there. That's a good positive, but it's just, it's hard to pick things to be positive about this football team. You know, a lot of moral victories, like you played close with the Steelers and the Ravens. You, you did that. You beat the 49ers. But going into the second half of the season, I think there's a lot of hope. You got you're getting healthier, but they were healthy on Sunday and they didn't really play well. So, you know, I just want to see some of the, I want to see, let these young guys loose. Let Fulgham, Rager, Hightower, Goddard, Sanders, Sweat, let these guys let these guys go. Let them play. Let them grow. And uh, that's really the only positive. And, yeah, and just like that, we'll wrap things up. Um, you know, Eagles fans, enjoy the week off of uh, this stressful, stressful team. Um, hopefully you could just watch football and relax. We're all going to just relax and not have to worry about the Eagles letting up 20-something points to – Daniel Jones or an 80 yard touchdown or something like that. We'll have to wait another week for that one. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's some, there's some hope there. Um, but there's a lot of negatives on the Eagles and hopefully they fix, fix it in the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll wrap things up. I've been Donovan Philly Eagles updates. Make sure you follow. Um, that's been J Eagles underscore empire Eagles dot world Nader. Um, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.